Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Ruth. And so if you would please turn there uh, with me, we'll be reading from uh, Luke, or not Luke, Ruth uh, chapter 4, Ruth chapter 4, and the first uh, 12 verses as this uh, short story comes quickly to its uh, climax here in the last uh, chapter. Uh, You'll remember that uh, last time uh, we had left uh, Ruth uh, and Naomi uh, with 80 pounds of uh, barley, uh, rejoicing in the good news that there is uh, a Redeemer, uh, but everything had not yet been uh, worked out. And so we come to the reading of God's Word at Ruth chapter 4, and this is the living and abiding Word of God. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there's no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, again that, uh, Lord, we uh, lay uh, before you, uh, naked before you, before whom we all have to do. And so we thank you that you see and know 
uh, each and every one of us this morning. And we thank you that in your uh, mysterious work by your Holy Spirit, uh, you take the, the words of Scripture, your word of truth, and you use that word to convert us, to change us, to transform us, and to conform us more and more into the image of the Savior. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do that mysterious work even today, and that you would mold us and shape us, that you would draw us ever closer to yourself, that we might see something more clearly of your love and grace and mercy to us in Jesus Christ uh, through this passage of Scripture today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have you uh, ever had trouble sleeping at night? Ever had trouble sleeping at night because of what you knew was coming the next day? Uh, perhaps you had a, a big job interview, uh, you know, on a, on a Monday morning, let's say, or uh, maybe you had a school presentation you've been working on forever, or maybe you have a, had a big exam uh, coming up, something like that. Maybe you had a phone call you needed to make. Uh, Maybe a friend or family member was flying in for a visit. Or maybe it was the day to propose uh, marriage. Waking up, no doubt, that night, every hour, tossing and turning, waiting for the sun to come up. Well, this, no doubt, was Boaz, as we find him uh, on this morning in Ruth chapter 4. We learned last time that Ruth's need uh, will be met. Naomi's need will be met. There is a Redeemer Uh, But we're still in suspense. Uh, Who is the right man for Ruth? Well, this last chapter of Ruth will answer, of course, that question. Uh, Ruth and Naomi are going to experience the hesed, that is, the covenant faithfulness of the Lord. And the very end of the chapter, next week, that we look at, will reveal, of course, that this story in the time of the judges... Uh, is not really just a story about the time of the judges. It goes far beyond these two uh, women, uh, and it goes all the way to God himself providing a redeemer for all his people, and not just Ruth and Naomi. But we want to go back to the story. Uh, The last verse of chapter 3 had ended with uh, Naomi being certain uh, that the matter was going to be taken care of. Wait, she said to Ruth, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And in fact, as we come to chapter 4 of Ruth, we're not going to hear from Ruth uh, or Naomi uh, again. Uh, This chapter is uh, really all about uh, Boaz and what he does uh, for the redemption of of Ruth. He is the kinsman redeemer, and he will keep his promise. And the first thing he does in the morning as he's off uh, to the city gate, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. And so Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Boaz is a, uh, a determined redeemer. In some ways, the whole problem Uh, of the book of Ruth, which is calling out for a solution, is really this. How will the name of Elimelech be preserved in Israel uh, now that he has no heir? Remember, that's how the story started. It was Elimelech and uh, Naomi, and they go to Moab, and they've got two sons, and those sons get married, and uh, but then he dies, and the two sons die, and and the question is, well, how is uh, how is the house and the name of Elimelech going to Uh, go on? Or how is there going to be any history here for this family? 
Um, how will he ever have an heir? His sons have died. Wrote one, Elimelech's name, along with his allotment in the promised land, will surely be lost forever. To possess real estate in the land of promise that could be passed on to your heirs served as a kind of sign that you belong to God's people and that his covenant blessings enfolded both you and your heirs forever. And so to lose your land and to have your name disappear from the rolls of the people of God uh, was a terrible prospect. And that's kind, of the, that's kind of what the problem's been this whole time. But the Lord's been gracious and uh, provided for Naomi and Ruth. They come back to, to Bethlehem. But really, it's that question that Boaz is, uh, Boaz is committed to solving. As the Lord lives, he says, I will redeem you. That's what he said in chapter 3. His promise can be trusted. And so we see that immediately in this chapter. Boaz sits down in the gate of the city. Uh, as he promised, so he does. He's a determined uh, redeemer. He sits in the gate. Now, as you read through your Old Testament, hopefully you will recognize that the gate of the city, uh, of the gate of the town, is a very important place. In fact, Abraham was promised that uh, he and his descendants would possess the gates of the enemies, right? That was the most important place in the city. A noble wife in Proverbs 31 is praised by her husband where? Uh, in the gates, uh, a, a public gathering place. Matters of discipline and judgment were brought to the elders of the city at the gate. And so think city hall, think um, uh, county court, think uh, the public square, a place where meetings are held, legal disputes are settled, and Boaz sits down. And the Bible says, behold, behold, verse 1, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Uh, now, we already know in chapter 4 of Ruth that there are no accidents. And so as the author, to, uh, the author of Ruth tells us again, as he goes out that morning, he's determined. He's a determined redeemer. He goes and he sits in the gate, and, uh, and, uh, and the Lord brings at that moment by the very man he needs to meet. Uh, God's timing, we've found out in this book of Ruth, is, is perfect. You see, Ruth and Naomi, uh, think about Ruth and Naomi back home this morning. Um, they're thinking to themselves, is this going to work? Uh, they're probably wondering, you know, how is, um, how is Boaz going to find him? Uh, well, no need to worry. Uh, he goes to the gate. God is at work. His timing is perfect. And he works out all things according to the counsel of his will. As the Bible says, in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ came. God has it, has it worked out in his, his timing. But oddly enough, this Redeemer, uh, we find out, has no name. It's not Bob. It's not Fred. Uh, it's not Eliphaz or something like that. Um, in fact, uh, Boaz just calls him friend. He's called Redeemer. Uh, his name is not really relevant for the story because of what eventually happens. He will not redeem. He will not be the Redeemer. He will not be remembered. In fact, the word friend uh, is a translation of a phrase that means something uh, quite indefinite. And, uh, you know, the folks that I read said it really kind of means just uh, Mr. So-and-so. Come here, Mr. So-and-so. Um, Redeemer. And uh, Boaz gathers ten elders of the city to act as witnesses, and he puts the situation in front of the Redeemer. Now, here's the situation, says Boaz to this man. Uh, Naomi, as you know, um, has a field and will have to sell it unless you, as a kinsman redeemer, buy the land and keep it in the family. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what? Naomi has land? <laughs> right? 
Uh, we haven't heard of this um, before this chapter. Uh, this is the first we've heard of it. Uh, Naomi has land. Well, why was Ruth out gleaning in the field? Or, um, you know, where did it come from? Uh, we're not told elsewhere, actually, in the, in the Old Testament of any kind of inheritance rights for widows who have no living sons. So where does this land come from? Was it small? Was it large? Was it used by others while they were out in Moab? We don't know. But we do know this, that Boaz has, has a plan. First speak of the land. This seems like a good land deal for the Redeemer. Uh, he would need to care for the widow Naomi, to be sure, but he could add the property to his own inheritance because Naomi was older and uh, probably past childbearing, so there's no sense here of any other kind of obligation. This, is a, this looks like a good land deal, and the man jumps at it um, and says, I'll do it, I will redeem. And then as you're reading along, you're thinking, no, oh no. This isn't how it's supposed to end. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Ruth and Boaz. I'll redeem it, he says. And then Boaz springs the surprise. Verse 5. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. See, you do this, this comes with other responsibilities. Um... This fine property, says Boaz to the Redeemer, comes with, let's see, nice views. You know, it's close to amenities. Uh, also comes with a mother-in-law, Naomi, you knew that. And it comes with Ruth the Moabite and the obligation to provide an heir for Ruth's dead husband. So eventually, uh, the land you buy today will belong to that heir. Awkward silence. Then a gulp and all of a sudden the, the small print leaps from the page then the redeemer said I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance take my right of redemption yourself for I cannot uh, redeem it it all looked good all looked good uh, as long as there was profit and gain and inheritance for himself but now it's Redeem so that Naomi and Ruth are cared for and the name of another will be uh, perpetuated. They wouldn't do it. And the change is immediate. What's the point here? Well, we see first of all in this determined redeemer called Boaz, we see the difference between this nameless redeemer who will not redeem, whose name we don't know, and Boaz, the true Redeemer. It's why you know the name Boaz uh, instead of Mr. So-and-so. You know Boaz because he's determined to save Naomi and Ruth no matter uh, the cost. And it will be costly. In fact, uh, it is, it, it's his obvious joy to do so, even though it will be costly. And he's willing uh, to sacrifice. To be a kinsman redeemer... You, you really needed three things. You had to be related to those in need. Uh, you had to be able to help. You had to have the resources to help. And you had to be willing to sacrifice. Related, able, and willing to sacrifice. 
Boaz is under no obligation, and his act, of course, is an act of love. Surely, that reminds you of the Savior. Listen to Hebrews 9. It goes like this. Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he, that's Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Related, able, and willing to sacrifice. Boaz is a a determined redeemer. He is a committed redeemer, verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting uh, in Israel. Now, here, the human author of Ruth lets us in on a custom that apparently had passed away by the time of the writing uh, of this uh, book. And we're thankful for that because, of course, he could have simply wrote, you know, the Redeemer gave his sandal to Boaz. And we'd be left thinking, well, wait a minute, did Boaz lose his sandal somehow from the threshing floor to the, uh, you know, to the gates of the city? Oh, what a thoughtful redeemer, we might have thought. No. No, the, the author says, no, this is how a, a legal transaction was confirmed, a way to show that you had given up your rights as a kinsman redeemer, uh, and now you're, you're giving that right to someone else. And uh, it's like our, you know, a good, maybe, uh, you know, in certain, certain cultural settings, a good, uh, firm handshake, you know, to seal the deal, uh, to make the agreement. And here's the thing. Boaz, he wastes no time. He wastes no time. Um, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. And then Boaz, immediately... Uh, said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. This land, he says, now belongs uh, to me. I've redeemed it. And Ruth the Moabite, my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead, that his name will not be cut off from among his brothers. Problem solved. There will be an heir. Can you see uh, Boaz's face uh, beaming? This is kind of like a uh, this is like an engagement announcement. You know, you're visiting with your family or uh, or your friends or at school or something. You say, hey, everybody, listen, uh, I'm engaged. Uh, you know who my wife's going to be? Let me tell you. Um, yes, sir, he says, I'm getting married. I make this commitment um, before all these witnesses. My land, my wife. And here's this, this then solemn commitment 
of a responsibility and ownership and, and, and all those kind of things, accountability to all these witnesses here. She belongs to me. Now, of course, that's what commitment's all about, right? Before witnesses, um, and then being held accountable, right, by those witnesses too, in one sense, right? If you're, if you're married, uh, you took vows before God and before witnesses. If you've made a profession of faith uh, in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've made vows before witnesses that you are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to live for him with all that you have in you. If you've brought your children for baptism, again, you've made vows before witnesses. I'm going to pray for this child. Uh, I am going to teach this child. And I am going to, to live Christ before my children so that they will know him and love him. And you've made those commitments, even as Boaz makes this commitment to which you're held accountable by witnesses and by God. Now, the problem we have, of course, is that we suffer from, wait for it, gamma-phobia. Gamma-phobia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But it means the fear of commitment. Boaz didn't have that problem. He said, she belongs to me now, and you're all my witnesses. But we got a problem uh, in our day. One writer says this about commitment. Commitment's a broad term, but generally comes down to dedicating yourself to something for a long time, whether that's a job, a goal, a city, or a relationship. Those who have problems with commitment, this fellow writes, don't think about the future of the relationship. They're just in it for the now. They spend a lot of time questioning the relationship. They don't feel emotionally attached. They feel uneasy or trapped when someone shows signs of investment gets involved in their business, in their life. They have a hard time opening up or sharing deep thoughts. And I thought this was interesting. They also don't respond to messages, calls, or texts for days. Isn't that interesting? People have this problem with commitment to marriage, commitment to church, commitment to the Lord. Even though we've all made that commitment, haven't we? if you're a professing member of this church, before witnesses. Oh, yes. All for him. Well, Boaz, Boaz didn't have gamophobia. He's committed. He's invested. He's planning for the future at a great cost to himself. Now, Boaz is clearly not marrying Ruth for his own financial and social benefit. Ruth is a Moabite, as we're reminded again and again. Any son born to them in their marriage, would inherit the land. Throughout these chapters, Boaz acts in grace and kindness and generosity. He's not thinking about himself here, but about caring for Naomi and Ruth and the name of another. Does that remind you of anybody? Hmm. Titus 2 says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works, who gave himself for us to redeem us for the glory of God. This is the Redeemer you and I need, right? This is the Redeemer we have been provided in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Determined Redeemer, this Boaz. Committed Redeemer, this Boaz. A blessed Redeemer, this Boaz. Notice what happens after he makes this announcement. Then, verse 11, all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah. Those were the, uh, the, the wives of Jacob from whom, uh, from whom Israel comes. Fruitful. Fruitful. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily, Boaz, in Ephratha, and be renowned in Bethlehem. May your name, Boaz, Redeemer, be renowned in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez. That was the son whom Tamar bore to Judah. Those were the ancestors of these folks that Boaz is with because of the offspring. And may you be blessed. Your house be blessed. Your wife be blessed because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And so all the people and elders at the gate invoke a blessing upon the wife and the home of Boaz, that Ruth herself would be fruitful and bear offspring, that she would have many descendants, and that the name of Boaz would be renowned in Bethlehem. Now, perhaps such a blessing and prayer, of course, would have been common when any couple planned to marry and any announcement like that was made. But such a blessing uh, and a blessed result surely couldn't be taken for granted. After all, remember, Ruth had been married to, to Malon for many years, uh, but with no, uh, no children. And that the name of Boaz would be known and that he would be blessed with offspring should remind us uh, of God's promise to Abraham to bring him blessing in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, remember what the Lord said? To Abram, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In fact, Ruth the Moabite, friends, is herself a fruit of that promise to Abraham. You see, she is, she is not of God's people. She is, she is from Moab. But she is receiving now the, the blessing of the people and the elders at the gate. And so the outsider, Ruth the Moabite, is now uh, an insider. And they are praying that she, would be, uh, that she would be just like Rachel and Leah. Fruitful in the house of the Lord. You see, she's, she was an outsider. But now, now she's been redeemed by by Boaz, and she is, she's an insider. Now she is part of the family of God, and, uh, and there is a prayer upon her for great blessing among the people 
of God. Friends, the wonderful truths of this book of a Redeemer coming, bringing uh, Ruth uh, into now his household should remind us of these verses in Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision, which made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That would have been Ruth in Moab. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. She is brought into the family of God. Writes one, the way the whole action of Boaz as Goel or Redeemer is told, redeeming the land, offering the family of Elimelech a future and a hope through his own commitment to marriage to Ruth. All of this points, writes this one, to the character of God. For if a mere man, a creature of God, could act like this, showing his power to redeem an outcast and bring her into fellowship with the living God, then surely we must see God as at least as compassionate to all the Ruths of Moab, of Babylon, and of every other land. And God himself must be a God of redemption with the desire and the power to redeem all outcasts into fellowship with himself. So we see here. My land, my wife, she will be mine. And, and the people uh, uh, bless him and, 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 and they pray for him and they pray for her that she would be blessed among the family of God. Well, would there be a child? Would the name of Boaz be known? Would blessing come from this union? Well, you know, you know the end of the story. Indeed, so Boaz and Ruth would have a, they'd have a great grandson. Remember, this is the time of the judges. They would have a great grandson named David who would be king over God's people. And one day, uh, there would be uh, a baby born son of Abraham, uh, son of David, who is Christ the Lord, through whom all the families of the earth would indeed be blessed, through whom you yourself are blessed, through faith in him, so that you can sing this song that perhaps if the elders of the gate and the people of the gate would have known, they would have sang too. You know it. It goes like this. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, ye saints, his wonderful love proclaim. Like a shepherd, Jesus will feed his people. In his arms, he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. For our sins, he suffered, bled, and died. Sacrifice. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him. Jesus, the crucified, praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, heavenly portals, loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. He's a determined Redeemer. He's a committed Redeemer. He is the blessed Redeemer. Let's pray uh, together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can see uh, in this book of Ruth so much of Jesus, Lord, in love and care and grace and kindness and sacrifice and commitment and determination and in love. We thank you that just as uh, Ruth was uh, brought to be the wife of Boaz, just as Boaz would, would take that role, would sacrifice to be the kinsman redeemer, the one who would buy back not just the land, but who would redeem Ruth herself. Lord, that we would see in Boaz a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who in his grace, in his mercy, in his love, calls us his own. Thank you for his sacrifice that we might go from being outsiders to insiders, that we might go from those without hope to those who are brought in to the family of God and to know the, the blessing of being a part of the family of God because we know that we have a Redeemer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.